Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the Speedway Show. Today, our title is My Cheese Moved. Now, what? Maybe life was great until the job disappeared. Until the spouse announced he was leaving. Until the offer came along for a new position in a different country. Or the doctor said, you're terminally ill. Or your baby turned up pregnant. Or the IRS turned up with a really big bill and handcuffs. Maybe life was great until you had that one conversation with that girlfriend you did not know was taping where you told her she needs to stop hanging around with black people and maybe she was so offended, this is me just guessing, she handed the recording to her loud mouth, always tells everyone, girlfriend, who blasted the recording all over the media. Now you've been blackballed from the NBA and you have to fight just to hold on to your team, which is not going so well. And by the way, your team is comprised of many angry black and white players. And as if that wasn't bad enough, your estranged wife has been embarrassed so much by the whole fiasco. She has had to save face by divorcing you and suing your girlfriend for all the expensive cars and real estate you gave her on the grounds that all that stuff belongs in the marital estate. did your cheese shift sideways overnight. Now, hopefully, your cheese did not slide so badly. But the question remains, what do you do now? Now, you might be wondering, what is with Speedway and cheese? Why are we talking about cheese? Because so far, she has said absolutely nothing about cheese. Well, I'm going to tell you. This title is based on a most excellent little book by an author named Dr. Spencer Johnson. And the book, which you are going to find on the posting for this show on Speedway.com, is called Who Moved My Cheese? Some of you will be familiar with this excellent little book. It's actually a very, very good book. And uh, I, I first read it Hmm, boy, years and years ago now. And um, I loved it so well that I have kept it ever since, and I have shared it. In fact, I bought a whole bunch of copies of it at one point, and I would distribute them at will uh, every time the topic came up. And it came up a lot. If you've never read it, I highly recommend it because, as I said, it's an excellent Uh, and deceptively simple and yet very introspective story into how people deal with change in their lives and in their work environment. So it consists of a, and by the way, if you don't like reading much, you will like this book because it's, it's got big writing, it's a small book, and it doesn't have that many pages. 
And it's a very easy read. With And it even has pictures, even though it's designed for adults. So if you need some motivation to actually pick up this book, hopefully this is going to give you some assistance. Uh, I read it. Actually, the first time I read it, I was uh, it was over my lunch hour. I was on a treadmill at the gym at my, uh, at, at my company at the time. And uh, I, I got to a point where I just laughed so hard I almost fell off the treadmill. But by the time the hour had gone, the book, I had actually finished the book. So it is really short, and it really is a very easy read. So this book consists of four characters, and I'm not telling you anything you wouldn't find if you hopped on Amazon.com and looked at uh, the book and you took a look at uh, what the book is about. But it consists of four characters, Sniff, Scurry, Hem, and Haw. And you can kind of imagine what kind of characters they're like from the names. Sniff and Scurry are little mice. Hem and Haw are two little people. I mean, literally, they're little people. All of them live in a maze, and every day, Sniff and Scurry run through the maze to a place called Cheese Station C where uh, there is really great cheese. Likewise, the little people get up every day and they put their sneakers on and they too go to cheese station C where they spend their time eating and enjoying the cheese. Now you might be thinking, okay, so still yet, what is the deal and what's so great about the cheese? (laughs) Well, uh, it's not literally cheese. Actually, cheese is, I suppose it could be literally cheese if you really like cheese, but cheese in this context represents whatever you are attached to and whatever you value. For those of you who are Christians, your cheese can be your idol, whether that is your money, your children, your job, your significant other, your possessions, your physical appearance, certain relationships that you have and treasure. All of those things can constitute our cheese. Of course, there's nothing wrong with having cheese, except to the extent that your love for it gets in the way of other things you should focus on, or when it interferes in a destructive way with other parts of your life and causes you to lose balance. Having an excessive attachment to cheese also creates huge problems when someone moves your cheese, which is the title for this show. So the... Question, and, and just so you know, to put a full stop on it in, in the story, uh, Ham and Haw get really attached to their cheese. Uh, Sniff and Scurry kind of start to notice that their cheese is dwindling and it's, you know, sometimes your cheese might actually get kind of moldy, but you're so attached to it you don't notice. And um, one day everybody, well, one day Ham and Haw show up and the cheese is gone. Ergo, the question, and, and the question they ask is, who moved my cheese? And um, so that's, ergo, the title of the book. So the question we title, uh, we tackle today is, what do you do when your cheese moves? Now, uh, the first thing I would suggest is if you are facing change, and I'm talking any kind of change, this is change at your job, this is change in life, this is any kind of you know, really large, earth-shattering change, especially if it is the kind of change that you did not sign up for and you did not volunteer for, and that's the hardest change, right? It's the change that you did not intend to happen. But my suggestion is, 
for the first set of suggestions, I really suggest you read because not only will you see yourself in at least one of the characters, but you will also, I'm sure, see other people that you know and whether they are your coworkers or your friends in how they deal with change. And you can, if you have a sense of humor, you will be able to laugh at yourself and maybe laugh at them too uh, over the issues that you can see when you're looking objectively at how we respond to change. On Steward.com, I have also posted some really good articles on dealing with change, and I'm going to share some of the best tips from those articles collectively because, you know, I, I tend to like to research so that I can pull together objective um, information that might be of assistance to you as opposed to me just telling you, you know, from my life, which interesting as it is is certainly not um, often instructive and it's not uh, authoritative. So some of the things that I came across that would be really good for change, and by the way, the reason change is high on my list of things to talk about is because I recently went through a lot of change. I uh, switched jobs, and switching jobs meant I was going to have to switch states. And uh, so I have a rather complicated living arrangement now because of this new job that I have. And uh, where I spend part of my time in in Chicago, I spend part of my time in Minnesota. And um, that was a lot of change indeed, both for myself and for my family. And so uh, there were a lot, a lot of changes that I had to deal with. I'd never lived in Chicago before. And um, so adjusting to a new place, a new state, a new job, new people, new environment, I mean, that's a lot of change. Anyway, so first thing, accept that change is going to happen, right? So let's just admit that your cheese is going to move sooner or later. Whether you like it or not, uh, and and there's a reason why we have so many words and so many ways of expressing uh, periods of change in our lives, right? So it's because they always happen. Some call them seasons, seasons of life, seasons of change. Some people call them life stages, life cycles. Inherently, we all recognize that change happens. Too often, we just don't really want it to happen to us. So that's the first thing. Let's just, let's just accept that change is going to happen. One of the other things that I read that I thought was actually kind of a good thing is understand what is changing and to the extent that there are doors closing behind you, understand what those doors look like and what they mean. For example, let's suppose that your boss quits. The obvious thing that's changing is you no longer have that boss over you. Other things that may be changing may include you may have a new boss for, you may not have a new boss for a while, which may mean certain projects don't progress or certain good or bad issues arise amongst you and your peers as you try to navigate without a champion. It may mean that your new boss may be the dawn of a complete cultural shift in your department if he has a really different philosophy from the one who just left. Your job 
And those of your peers may be completely redefined in the wake of your old job, uh, of your old boss leaving. Part of what you have to decide is, do you still like the job? Do you like it less? Do you like it more? Another thing that may be implicated is that your senior leadership may take this opportunity to completely reorganize your department. This may prove to be a great opportunity for you, or it may signal bad things for your future career and success. What your boss's departure really means could depend on, could define which way the wind blows in your company, or it could be defined that by that. Um, but either way, it will be important for you to keep your eyes and ears open and understand what is really changing and what it really means. A mindset I have always found really helpful in dealing with change is that accept that you are entitled to nothing you have. You personally have very little to do with getting and keeping much of anything in your life. And it's a funny thing to say, right, because a lot of us, especially those of us who are professionals, we consider ourselves to be self-determining. We uh, plan our careers and we plan our succession. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we plan all sorts of things. And then we have this idea that maybe we actually control these things. One of the things I found so interesting about the book, Who Moved My Cheese, was the fact that none of the characters in the book actually had anything at all to do with the existence of the cheese. They didn't put it there. They didn't create Cheese Station C. They didn't buy it. They just found it where it was, laid claim to it, and some of them took on a very strong entitlement mentality and treated it like it was their right to have it. There are certain problems that come with having a sense of entitlement. While it might fill you with pride and the idea that you actually control something, the sense of entitlement is often your downfall in any situation that involves dealing with change. When we feel entitled, we stop appreciating and being grateful for what is often a gift. That same sense of entitlement can make us take what we have for granted and not tend to it as we should until one day, uh, you know, you wake up and find that the interpersonal relationships uh, where one day your whipping post is following you around, gazing upon you lovingly as you take them for granted, then the next day they're gone and you're singing the song of the great rapper, the late Heavy D, saying, I didn't think she'd leave because she wasn't that strong. <laughs> If you don't feel entitled to something, it's a lot easier to recognize that it was placed in your life and you didn't put it there. Therefore, it will leave your life when it's time, and you may have no control over the timing or the departure. So rather than being mad when it's gone, you should enjoy the cheese while it's there and take whatever you learn from it and the great memories forward into the rest of your life. I'll give you an example. I lost my earthly father several years ago. I loved him, and in a way, he was an example of my cheese. I kind of felt entitled to that relationship. 
and he was my dad, and he loved me, and um, uh, surprise, surprise, he had a heart attack one day, and uh, one day he was there, and the next thing, he was gone. I had to be very purposeful in thinking about how I was going to process that loss. My cheese had moved in a very significant way, and I was down a parent. The man who taught me so much and who was largely responsible for the success I've attained in my life was gone. I could have stomped around and thrown a bunch of tantrums, yelled at God and lost my faith and on and on and complained about how it wasn't fair. But this is where you have to decide who and how you will be when your cheese moves. How are you going to react? And it's a choice. It really is. I didn't have to stomp around. Uh, And in fact, I chose not to. I I did tell my Heavenly Father that I was not going to talk to him for a while because I had nothing to say. And I felt like... You know, God gave me a sense of peace that I didn't have to say anything. I, I, and I really didn't have anything to say. I mean, I genuinely didn't have anything to say. I, I didn't want to yell and complain because I understood that my dad's life was his. So he came when he was supposed to. He was there for the time he was supposed to be there. And he left when he was supposed to. It wasn't, God wasn't trying to punish me or my mom or my sister or anybody else by taking him away. Um, and actually, he had been a gift to all of us, everybody who knew him. We were not entitled to my father's life. He had been a gift. So how you deal with change is, no matter what kind of change, is truly a choice. So not only do you get to decide how you're going to react to it, but you also get to decide how you're going to manage the change. What is the attitude that you're going to try and hold on to throughout the change? And I say try because oftentimes there is our baser nature and the way that we will naturally want to respond, right? I will naturally want to be upset and hurt and angry when my father is taken away. Uh, You will naturally want to be hurt angry and upset if you lose your job. You will naturally want to blame somebody if something bad happens to you and your cheese moved in a way you did not intend. But you get to decide how you're going to manage yourself through that change. And in that is the question, are there things that you can do to mitigate the negative impact of that change? So let's suppose your job is moving. And as I said earlier, I had a job change recently, so this is near and dear to my heart. What can you control? Uh, Let's see. Well, you can control how you pack up your home. You can control the neighborhood and type of place you move into. You can take pleasure in decorating your new place. You can decide on what your new service, who your new service providers will be, the dentist, the doctor, the grocery grocery store you're going to use, the hairdresser, all of that stuff. Where are you going to get your hair cut? Where are you going to buy your clothes? You get to explore your new environment and decide all of those things. And those are things you can control. You get to decide the places that you access to develop new personal and professional relationships. So there are always things that you can control in the context of change. Now, you might be asking, well, what kind of change did you get to control when you lost your dad? Well, I I got to control whether or not I went home to Zimbabwe for the funeral. I got to control, sort of control, when I left. I got to control how I was going to behave. Uh, 
I chose, rather than being angry and upset, I chose to really just be there for my mom and my sister and, and mostly take care of my mother. And I chose to be the lawyer for my mom. So when time came to read the will, my mother didn't want to read it. And I was the older child and I was a lawyer. So I read the will and I helped her get the process going to uh, administer the will because she was the executor. And so there were things that I could control. I could control um, my attitude and in helping her, it actually forced me to be stronger and to focus less on myself and my loss. So there are always things that you can control when your cheese moves, no matter what. Maybe you can set particular goals for the things that you do have control over, uh, complete with specific end games that you want to accomplish and timelines and all of that. The other thing that I found is useful and one of the suggestions that I found when I did the research is celebrate your blessings. If you choose it, a job change hopefully means there's something about the new job that's better than the one you left, right? More money, better hours, better environment, an end to the toxic relationships you wanted to get away from at the other place, a bigger title, more responsibility, more independence in making decisions. If the job change was involuntary and you still have a job, um, be grateful for that because there are people whose, whose job G's moves and leaves them with no job to go to at all. So even if maybe the job is less than what you hoped for, if you're still getting a paycheck, that's something to be grateful for. Once upon a time, I had this boss who I got along with very well, and I had a lot of respect for him because he was a great leader, I thought. In the years that I worked for him, we had a fair amount of turnover in our department. Some of the people who left were people I was sure would, would be absolutely sorely missed because they were really great members of our team, and I expected my boss to be really upset when they left. I'd walk into his office and say, hey, I just heard so-and-so is leaving. How do you feel about that? What does it mean? What do you think? What are we going to do? And the interesting thing about him is he was never flustered, never at a loss, never panicked. And interestingly, he always looked at every departure like an opportunity, no matter who it was. So obviously, if the person who left wasn't going to be missed because they were a crappy employee, that was the easy one, right? That was the, oh, thank you, Jesus, Lord, they left. And uh, we're going to be so much better off now because we get to pick somebody else and they get to be a much better employee and we get a do-over. So thank goodness they're gone. If they were good employees. That was the more difficult thing. But he always took it in stride. And he always looked at those departures as opportunities to do several things, like an opportunity to revisit the job and, decided if the, and decide if the job itself should change. He would look at it as an opportunity to determine whether we even needed that role anymore or whether the needs of the business had changed such that we either could get rid of that role or we needed to redefine it and get a whole different kind of person in it. 
she would always look at what skills the person brought to the job who had left and whether we really needed those same skills in that position or whether we should pivot and go in a different direction. So over time, I came to appreciate his way of thinking. Every single departure, particularly at work, is an opportunity of some kind. You just have to figure out what kind. So I'll give you some examples. If you have a boss or a coworker you don't get along with who leaves, well, that's an obvious advantage, right? There is at least a chance that the person who comes in might be more to your liking and might get along with you better. Sometimes your coworker's departure can mean more responsibility and therefore more visibility and maybe even more money for you. It can mean you get to take on new fun, uh, fun projects you wouldn't have had before. It can mean a promotion for you, or it could mean that the person who comes will be one you like and get along with better than the one who left. All kinds of opportunities. So this is that you can use. And I'll give you the one and my final trump card, the one thing that you can always count on in times of change that will be your secret weapon every single time. Drum roll, please. Woo! That was a bit of a long drum roll, wasn't it? This is where having an ongoing relationship with your heavenly father or divine mother comes in really handy. When you are anchored in that relationship, you are much less likely to be knocked off kilter when the waves of real change crash over you like waves in a raging storm. You hold on to that anchor and keep your eyes on God. You remember that the true essence of who you are is spirit, made in God's image, and spirit is eternal. What that means, folks, is that any change that happens to you impacts your body on the material plane. And it may impact things around you, right? It may impact your income. It may impact your health. But all of that is happening on a material plane. Your soul is essentially, if you will, trapped in this earthly body, but only for a season. But as long as you are anchored in that divine relationship, you remember who you really are, and you remember how small and finite and, and, and any earthly or material change is in the context of your eternal existence. Now, if you're feeling like I took a really strange turn there, let me remind you that actually the objective of the Speedway Show is to improve our personal, professional, and spiritual relationships um, by helping people live well, live fully, and love deeply by improving the quality of those relationships. And one of the things that I emphasize, and maybe haven't lately, but still, a fundamental tenet of the show is that actually if you base your life and your principles on your life manual, um, and I call it a life manual because different people have different ones. Some people use the Bible. Some people use the Bhagavad Gita. Some people use the Quran. But your spiritual guide, uh, and I call it a life, life manual because it is your manual for how to live. But if you base your anchoring on the life manual and that godly relationship, you will never be tossed asunder. So my 
Life Manual is a Bible, and there's a passage that says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Put another way, when you walk with God in his will and in his light, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So even when your cheese moves in a negative way, you have the security of knowing that the downside will only be for a season, and as long as God is there in whatever misfortune you face, job loss, poverty, loss of your marriage, your friends, family, home, your car, your things, as long as you keep walking with your hand firmly in God, he will walk you through the fire of whatever change you are going through, and you will ultimately be where you should end up and on the other side of whatever the deal is that you're, you're trying to address, everything will be all right. So until next week, thank you for joining me on the Speedway Show. This is Speedway saying go in peace and embrace the movement of your sheep. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.